Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to another RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host and Jared Stid Stan, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man and esteemed botanist Clark Barnes, the working girl and keeper of keys and grounds at Buccaneer Bandwagon, Jordan Smith, and ginger clean shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good man, how you doing? Doing well. I want to give shout outs to Jordan for more or less calling uh, Tom Brady to Tampa with his fervent support in 2019. I feel like Jordan knew <laughs> that the Buccaneers were going to ascend to greatness in 2020, and so wanted to stake his flag and claim on the Bucks early. I'm um, I'm off the Buccaneers bandwagon now. It's not as fun without Jameis. So it's too corporate. If, yep. if, yeah, unless Jameis <laughs> is there throwing thirty picks, it's not very entertaining. To me. It's not for it's not for Jordan. You're not you're not a a fan of the Tom Brady check down or throw it away. No, I mean what they're gonna win twelve games. That's no fun. <laughs> I, I want like eight maximum yeah. here. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just I'm loving the fact that the Buccaneers get Tom Brady. And Chris Godwin is like, mm, I'm pretty partial to number 12, Tom. So you're going to have to really woo me here. I'm excited to see how that goes down. I'm a big fan of Dibs. Like, it's his jersey, right? It's so true. come at me well, with the offers. The right? Bucks were quick to say that Brady in his contract negotiations said that he did not request number 12. Right. That all he requested was the phone numbers of his teammates. I know. And what a what, nauseating what a story. Stand up like, why citizen. is this a story? Oh. <laughs> That's oh. funny. That's good. That's good stuff. That's still yeah, hurts. 48 candy grams were ordered in the greater Tampa Bay area, <laughs> breaking a new city record. Yeah, Every member of the Bucks. Arrangements. Yeah, exactly. They all got editable arrangements and a, and a card from Brady saying, hi, here's my expectations for you. It would be weird. I mean, it's going to be weird to see Brady in a different jersey. It'd be also weird to see that jersey. Or would it make more sense? Would it be less weird to see him in a different jersey and a different number? I think you change the number. And like, he, and someone has it. So like, right. it doesn't. It, yeah. Does someone have 10? Could he just go back to Michigan? Go back to his Michigan 10? I think three is available, right? That would kind of screw the whole TB12. The three is available. Brady comes in and just takes Jameson's number. Yeah, there you go. Um, Well, we got a lot to cover in uh, in the news because a ton of shit went down since our last pod. And uh, we're going to then also talk a little Fantasy 2020 and play a game that Clark created. Uh, And then finally, Clark-centric episode, we're going to... As Clark told me off air, we're going to start. No decisions will be made on this show, but we're going to start, uh, lay out the groundwork to what it will take to find Clark a new team to root for in 2020. Um, but let's start with some news. 
And since there's so much to cover, I'm going to just list out all the big moves that have gone down, uh, and then we can figure out who's worth chatting about slash maybe uh, a lot of the players that made moves uh, we will be talking about in our Oh Boy O'Brien segment. But right after we got off the pod last week, Stefan Diggs got traded to the Bills, and then obviously Brady announced he was coming back to the Patriots and signed with the Bucks. and I did an emergency podcast on that, which you can listen to. I bared my heart and soul. It was very emotional. Uh, the Panthers went on to sign Teddy Bridgewater, moving on from Cam Newton. At some point, he's probably going to get traded or released. Uh, Philip Rivers signed with the Colts. Bears traded for Nick Foles. Todd Gurley got released and then signed with the Falcons. The Giants signed Colt McCoy to eventually overthrow Daniel Jones and create quarterback controversy in New York. Melvin Gordon signed with the Broncos. Eric Ebron with the Steelers. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders signed with the Saints. And then just today, Clark, Shaboy Dion Lewis uh, signed with the Giants. Where shall we begin? Or does it make sense to just jump right into our Oh Boy O'Brien segment since a lot of the big names that we just listed will probably be mentioned? There are a couple of names that I'm going to talk about that were just mentioned. Nick and Jordan, you guys are similar wavelength? Good to go. Okay. Then we'll just move on to Oh Boy or Oh Brian, which is a segment that Clark pitched to us. Basically, moves we love... uh, Free agent moves that we love from a fantasy standpoint and ones that we fucking hate and wish someone would get fired for. Clark's words. <laughs> Actually, his his words were fixing hate. Uh, and so, wish- I feel like duck has been said trillions of times more thanks to Apple's autocorrect than it has ever in the past. <laughs> so, should we, just, should we just replace fucking with ducking? Or is that... Just make that make that a I'm, I'm gonna trend. leave that to the people. All right. The people the people will speak. Um all right. So yeah, so we each have an O boy and we each have an O'Brien. And I'm gonna throw a little spice on the fire to start. When you introduce your player, don't tell us if it's an O boy or your O'Brien, and we'll guess. Uh and so just I don't know. We'll add some fun and intrigue there. Who knows? It could be a bomb. Uh, Jordan, why don't you start us off? Give us your first player that either you're really happy about or really not so happy about for fantasy, given their, uh, their new landing spot for 2020. Um, so this one might be a little bit too obvious, but I'm actually really excited for like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, there's a lot of conversation really about, um, Cliff Kingsbury, that's his name, his offense and how Kyler Murray was spreading it around a lot last year and um, not really picking a, a favorite target. Yeah, you know, some guys they like to go to more than others. But at the same time, I just feel like perhaps that's just an offense that lacks a clear number one. Um, Larry Fitzgerald has been a number one receiver for a really long time, but I don't think he's just at that level to dominate the targets and dominate the um, dominate all of Kyler Murray's attention would have just passed. Um, so I think DeAndre Hopkins will be able to help out Kyler Murray uh, a ton and in turn help Kyler Murray a ton by opening up the field a little bit more because you're going to have to take those receivers very seriously. So kind of overlooked my added twist to the segment, Jordan. We were supposed to hide whether or not it was in an O'Boy or an O'Brien, uh, but whatever. We'll overlook that for now. Well, how, how else are you supposed to explain it? I, well, you could just be like DeAndre Hopkins. Am I excited about this or am I not? 
And we could have been like, you're definitely not George. DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona is going to bomb terribly and you should not draft him in fantasy. And we would be wrong. Yeah, so I, I don't want to step on anything, but there's been a lot of discussions about uh, what Tom Brady's impact on the Buccaneers is going to be. And I think his real impact on that team is going to be fantastic. But I think the fantasy impact is going to leave us a little wanting when it comes to Godwin and Mike Evans. And I think that's kind of the situation we're in with DeAndre Hopkins. He was already at such heights with Deshaun Watson that it's going to be tough for him to go higher. But DeAndre Hopkins taking a fairly large step back in fantasy still gives you the wide receiver 10. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it is exciting for Arizona Cardinals fans. We are looking at something for me personally that is clearly a matter of perspective. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a fantastic receiver. He's a good route runner and an absolute, uh, absolute vacuum cleaners for hands. Uh, Kyler Murray seems like a relatively bright guy. So hopefully he'll learn uh, when the play is shot, just throw it towards DeAndre and uh, good things will likely happen. Vacuum yeah. cleaners for hands is the best sure hands analogy I've ever heard. Yes. Um, yeah, that was outstanding. Uh, so I was going to do a whole nerd out segment over DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and my plan initially was to break down the target market shares of the Cardinals over the years. And I thought that that would just be too long. Too much fun. It would be too much fun for everyone, Nick. Segment. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll do a solo pod where I dissect this. Uh, <laughs> but basically, the, the the long and short of it is that there are a lot of targets that are going to be up for grabs for Hopkins. There were a lot of lesser players um, that were sort of uh, the team was sort of forced to throw to last season. And he's going to step in and largely just take those targets. Um, he's going to take targets from Fitzgerald. I think that Christian Kirk will continue to ascend. He, he and, and Fitz were, uh, Fitz had, uh, more targets than him. It was at like 21% of the target market share. while uh, Christian Kirk was at 18, uh, that was two years ago and they were almost tied last year. I think Kirk's going to continue to ascend. I think he'll be around 20%. I think that, that, that Hopkins, he probably won't break into the elite target market share of 27% or higher. Uh, JJ Zach Reeson's podcast today talked about the fact that since I think it was like 2011, there have been 19 wide receiver seasons where someone acquires over 30% of the targets. He had three of those 19. Uh, Hopkins, that is. He, you know, he's obviously he's been a target vacuum and has them for hands. Um, it's uh, he's a very talented player. I think it's going to be a good offense. He's going to have to get over the humps of, you know, being on a new team, but I expect him to still uh, rack up around 25% of the targets. And I think that he'll be a, an AOK top five at, at worst top seven receiver, but that doesn't mean that he might not start the year slow. So no. keep that in mind. Yeah. And I, I was giving Jordan a hard time. This was a perfect one to start with because it's not only just DeAndre Hopkins, I think is, is a, it's a pretty smooth transition for him. This is a huge boost for Kyler Murray. And like Kyler Murray is going to be one of my top quarterback targets uh, for 2020 fantasy drafts because of his rushing floor, because I think he's going to become more comfortable in the NFL. And because now he has one of, if not the best wide receiver in football to throw to. So this is, I think it's a huge benefit for Kyler Murray's fantasy value in 2020. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I wanted to add, um, uh, learn this from the established run podcast. And I'm just, 
clarifying it here now. So, oh, so we went to Clemson. So um, did was what what was the scheme that Hopkins was in when he was in college? Was it I, I was under the impression that it might have been sort of a similar air raid system um, that ba- basically he, he might just kind of I, I don't know. I shouldn't be speaking on this, but my understanding is that he he's, he has familiarity. with. He's, he's going to just step it in, know exactly what's going on and be able to crush. I think that's the case. But don't quote me on that. We'll we'll, we'll do some deep dives on on Hopkins. Perfect. It's going to be uh, something we talk about all season long, all off season long. It's always hard to tell, but he uh, doesn't have a huge uh, reputation, I don't think, outside of Houston as a student of the game, but I think he's a really bright player. He seems to really be invested, uh, and you just don't ever hear anything much about that side of it because he just kind of keeps to himself, which apparently Bill O'Brien hates. One last thing I want to throw on here <laughs> is uh, sometimes when a big wide receiver goes somewhere else, uh, we can't worry about, like, well, who's going to get the ball then? How is this going to affect target share? And those are really good questions for fantasy i think in this style of offense uh we're going to see something like a really good defensive end going to an already good uh defensive line there's going to have to be so much attention paid to that superstar that it's really going to be the rising tide that lifts all boats and that breakout star is still going to have plenty yeah uh, plenty for that to go around so super interesting those three and four wide sets just get immediately better larry fitzgerald against your third corner is fantastic christian kirk against your second corner is amazing so uh yeah really exciting good way to start us off jordan that's good one and uh in the same vein as what clark was saying about the you know uh tide right rising all ships is that it (laughs) i'm pretty close pretty close close enough uh my first, my, oh boy, fantasy signing, uh, Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. I love this because of the fact that we saw Sanders can still play at a, a good fantasy level and a good football level, had 800 plus yards and five touchdowns between the Broncos and 49ers last year. And I also just, I have the feeling that he's going to feast on number two corners and with defenses worried about Michael Thomas it's a perfect role for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he flirts with top 25 wide receiver value uh, in 2020 with the Saints. He was 32 last year, and I think he could easily make that jump into the top 25, given how much attention is going to be on Michael Thomas and how if he can get a connection with Drew Brees, which he's shown to be able to like build a connection with the quarterback pretty quickly, uh, he's going to be playing in the Dome. I just think it's a great scenario for him, and the Saints have been looking for that reliable number two receiver, and Sanders fits that mold perfectly in my mind. So I, I think that this is a hysterical signing when considering what the opposing defense is going to have to account for. I do think, I mean, Sanders, he's lost the step. He's not what he once was, but still, even if you were a team who was prepared for the, the 21st century football league where you have two good slot defenders when both of these guys kick inside on either side of the lineup who like either one poor nickelback is going to be so overworked (laughs) he's not going to know what to do or it's just like you know you're gonna have a strong safety on one of these guys it's i this is a perfect pairing for the system and for the way that drew Brees' arm is aging he has lost a little pop downfield bringing in basic i mean they sort of just are doing the like dynamic wide receiver in in michael thomas who can do everything he can line up everywhere and instead of giving him a tight end target to work with they just brought in one of you know this generation's best slot receivers uh, it's it's awesome yeah this is one of my old boys uh the i think one of the things that we talk about sometimes is new wide receiver going to new 
quarterback situation. And I think uh, some folks might be a little scared off of that because of what we saw last year with Odell Beckham. One of the call outs there is, uh, you know, relatively volatile young wide receiver going to relatively volatile young quarterback. I think that we're in and a different situation. Volatile. Yeah. It's like a know, whole history to Take of that. it easy on the Browns this <laughs> off season, I guess. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Drew Brees knows what he's doing. Emmanuel Sanders, you know, seems to have success everywhere he goes. I don't think that that's coincidence. It's not like he's going to a bunch of world-beating quarterbacks and he still manages to look good. Uh, again, too many too many targets for even, like you said, Nick, even teams built for this style of football. I mean, you know, they still got Alan Kamara down there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's going to be really tough for opposing defenses, and that's what we love in fantasy. Yeah, I'm going to O'Brien this one. Um, just, just for the, the collective uh, idea of Drew Brees being another year older and Emmanuel Sanders being another year older. I mean, we've seen it a million times. You're, like, father time just comes up and creeps on everybody. And, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a pretty good option, uh, but, like, for a select, a slot flex player. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I think they're going to age, and I think the uh, the number two in New Orleans, I'm never really that excited about. Because I always thought Traquan Smith was going to be something pretty good, but he never panned out either. Jordan coming in hot. I like it. Yeah. Somebody just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Somebody's got to come in and just. Good. <laughs> I rewatched World War Z last night. Uh, and so I like your perspective of all of us agree. So you have to be the dissenting opinion. The only good part about that crappy, crappy movie. Yeah, I was going to say. We're I... watching all the classic uh, outbreak pandemic movies at the uh, Barnes House. <laughs> topical. Topical. That's good. I saw that I saw that you tweeted out that you were going to rewatch it and and that you maybe didn't give it the proper due the first time around, but it did not it did not sway you the second time around. I tried. I gave it a fair shot. Not yeah. good. And I yeah. like Brad Pitt. Like even though he's real hot and has a hot a good life, like even if you can look past that, like he's pretty good. And yeah. Movies. Yeah, no, my my one of my roommates, uh, senior year of college, he was very obsessed with World War Z, the book and the movie. He said did not do it all at all justice. Yeah, this will we'll wrap it up here. Uh, let's take this fantastic book by the title and just absolutely and just make it a zombie movie. Else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. no, yeah. no changes there. Uh, Nick, who's your oh boy for twenty twenty? Uh, I, I, so we're not doing the, uh, guess who game. You can, if you want, (laughs) I proposed it and then immediately rejected it. So my, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm giving you a bad time. Um, my, oh boy, I I just recently switched, switched it. I I was really, I was all set to talk about a different angle of this trade, but I think that the Stefan Diggs trade has uh, massive fallout. Um, Josh Allen, finished last year as the quarterback six and i as far as what i can find right now of uh adp on fantasy pros i'm not sure if this is like accurate to the day but he's listed as the the qb 21 in adp um this guy all all of his so josh allen he misses deep right he misses big but his entire receiving core right now, as far as the starters go, he's got John Brown burning down the field on the outside. He has Cole Beasley working the interior. Diggs is a downfield slot receiving option. Basically, the same thing as Adam Thielen. Um, 
You've got Dawson Knox developing. Devin Singletary showed that he is a capable pass catching back. Josh Allen will be in contention to be the overall quarterback one, and he's not going to be taken as such because he misses a lot of passes. But you have a team made up just of burners. Like, this was such an excellent signing for him. Diggs is someone who, if somebody's a little bit off, he he can teleport to a different part of the field. Now, I do think that Diggs' stats overall will will be hurt. I don't think that he's going to hit the ceilings that he he would have been able to hit in Minnesota just because the passing tree was so small there just with him and Thielen. But as far as Josh Allen goes, uh, this he, he's going to rock the box score every week. I, I love what the Bills are doing. I think it's so cool when you see a team recognize that the single biggest advantage in this sport is uh, a quarterback on a rookie deal and just fully committing to the guy, bringing in assets to win right now. It's awesome. So, yeah, my, my old boy is, uh, is Josh Allen. Yeah, I like the Josh Allen perspective because I, I'm – and you, you said this too, Nick. Like, I'm not a fan of Stefan Diggs in 2020 from a fantasy perspective because of the fact that he's going to a different offense. And I know we just talked about two wide receivers, three wide receivers, uh, two wide receivers, Sanders and Hopkins, who we were both very excited about, who we're all very excited about for 2020 is making that transition. And now I'm going to say that a wide receiver making a transition is a hard thing to do, uh, especially when you're going as Diggs is going from, you know, uh, a running mate, wide receiver one to the wide receiver one, you know, Adam Thielen drew a bunch of attention. And so Diggs could operate. Diggs is now going to be the focal point of defense's uh, attention when they play the bills and just Josh Allen's propensity for not hitting the target. It'll be interesting to see how Diggs works with that for Josh Allen. You're giving him a legit number one wide receiver who can get open on a dime and something that we love to talk about that Josh Allen offers that, a few quarterbacks do and you want to jump on these quarterbacks is a solid rushing floor that's instantly already going to boost you into top 15 top 10 quarterback territory and if Allen can take a step you know even if it's a small step in the right direction and become a slightly more accurate quarterback he now has the weapons that he could really you know his stats could take a big leap forward and he could really solidify himself as a top 10 and i know nick you said number one that's a bit hot for me but i i, I would i would concede maybe a, a top five fantasy quarterback this year as as like his ceiling i mean again he finished last year as six so so i'm yeah, spot on i'm really smart well done me yeah <laughs> he takes one yeah. step forward and he finishes fifth <laughs> yeah I will say that, you know, a lot of people were getting their jokes off about Josh Allen um, after the Stephon Diggs trade that he was, you know, overthrow Stephon Diggs and he was going to do all these wacky things. But I don't like really see that big of a difference between Josh Allen throwing the ball and Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk is probably a little bit more polished, but just by watching the Vikings games, Kirk Cousins throws up a lot of YOLO balls. Like Stephon Diggs did a lot of, uh, a lot of magic himself to bring down those footballs. So I think he can do the same thing with Josh Allen if they develop some sort of chemistry um, down the field. I, I don't think there's like as drastic of a gap between Kirk Cousins and, jo- and Josh Allen as a lot of people are saying, really. So Stefan Diggs, from a completely fantasy lens perspective, for Stefan Diggs was my O'Brien. 
because I see this being one of the incredibly talented wide receiver who's had success goes to new team and falls flat on his face situations. Not because Stefan Diggs is not good, uh, but because, well, I think Josh Allen is a fantastic fantasy quarterback. I do not think that he is a good quarterback. I think he's going to continue to hold the bills back. He may be able to do enough to propel a fantastic defense to plenty of wins. Uh, but while Kirk Cousins does throw up some YOLO balls, they are thrown to where someone can catch them. Josh Allen often throws things into a different zip code. Uh, and so Stefan Diggs is fantastic. I think he is incredibly talented. And he was one of those guys that I'm like, almost anywhere that he goes, this will be great. And then he went to the Bills. Because <laughs> remember how excited we were about John Brown last year? Who's a lesser talent? Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't seem to work out right so but Josh Allen's super young I don't want to be pessimistic uh Diggs is a fantastic weapon but for fantasy when I saw this happen I just yeah I'm out and uh Nick you mentioned that Josh Allen's fantasy value I do think that this helps it and at quarterback 22 hell yeah I am in and I am gonna do that uh just it's fun to cheat and go last uh I looked up the my fantasy league best ball 10 (laughs) Uh, ADP and there he's going seven I think that uh, he'll be in redraft in your redraft home leagues I think he's going to be somewhere right around the middle of these two spots I think that his uh, real ADP when we get closer to draft season is going to be around 13 14 there's going to be sharp folks who are like last year he was six and he just got Stefan Diggs yeah and then there'll be jabronis like me who are like I don't like him he's not very good at football <laughs> and so he'll fall in there and he's going to be a great later target that could really uh, you know probably not on the same level but have that Lamar Jackson effect of like holy crap a lot of teams that won their championships took a shot on Josh mm. Allen yeah, point. so I, I do I do think that that he'll probably end up being drafted far higher in uh, in best ball than he will in, in redraft because you know in best ball you just go for the ceiling and yeah you're, you're taking you're, two you know, draft yeah you get all the good um, games and none of the bad ones and you don't have to be the one to decide when he goes in the lineup. I, a lot of folks out there are very scared to make these like kind of questionable or what they perceive to be questionable. Like oh no, I just don't want that headache kind of a thing. Give me, give me Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield this year. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, man. that's a great one too. Give me the headaches. Yeah, dude. Uh, does anyone have any more? Oh boys, uh, before we take an ad break and move on to O'Brien's. No, splendid. Well then, let's quickly break for some advertisements before we go to some O'Brien's. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right. So we've done some. Oh, boys. I'm eventually, this is just merging into like my Mickey Mouse voice. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's fun watching it happen live. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I know I have to contort myself to get the voices. It, it's, I can't not just do it. Uh, it's like when you watch voice actors and they're like acting out the, you know, or, the, or their face changes in order to like get the voice. That's, uh, that's how I operate here on the RB1 podcast. Uh, O'Brien's. Some players who were not loving in 2020 fantasy football because of the fact that uh, what's gone down this offseason. Obviously, we've touched on Stefan Diggs. We've touched on Emmanuel Sanders as both guys who are not maybe super sold on. Well, Jordan's not sold on Emmanuel Sanders. We're all on Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I'll start us off with an O'Brien. It's not a player who changed teams. It's a player who's going to get affected by the change of teams. I love him, but I'm unfortunately going to have to pass on him. I'm not sold on DJ Moore being as good in fantasy as he was last year with Teddy Bridgewater under center. Now, I could be proven wrong, but the biggest thing that has me worried is DJ Moore averaged 13.5 yards per reception last year. Uh, and was clearly the number one guy. The targets and, and receptions, I'm not too worried about. But Teddy Bridgewater, on his career, 7.2 yards per attempt last year when he took over for the Saints in the five games he played, uh, 7.1 yards per attempt. And he had 10 yards per completion. I just My worry is, is that Teddy Bridgewater is known to be safe with the ball, looks for kind of the shorter pass, check downs, looks to get that work in that area of the field as opposed to necessarily taking the deep shot maybe in a different offense he'll play differently with a little more confidence but now that he's a starter I have no idea but it seems like the the Panthers are bringing him in as a you know kind of keep the offense moving we're not going to put too much pressure on him and that to me means DJ Moore might not get as many looks down the field as he got last year I think it's going to be great for Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey is going to eat. Uh, but I'm a little worried about DJ Moore uh, playing as well. I mean, he was, what, wide receiver 21 last year? All right. Well, I would say he, I'm worried that he plays back into the top 25 this year. I will say Teddy Bridgewater is head and shoulders better than Kyle Allen. Um, so that can help DJ Moore's stock a little bit. And there's, I mean, we can take a a quick trip down narrative street. I think there's an argument to be made that Teddy Bridgewater was uh, very well aware going to go and try to get a contract last year. So maybe he was just kind of hesitant to make too many mistakes or put too much, uh, too many bad plays, I should say, on film to impact that number and just kind of played it safe. And I think that's what the the Panthers rewarded him with a contract. And now that he's a little bit more secure in his situation. Who knows? Maybe he'll let it fly a little bit. I guess you got to go back a little bit, check him out in Minnesota and, or uh, Louisville back in those days to see how how he was doing. He really, obvious. yeah. So I, uh, I, I'm I'm trying to find this in in real time here. I can't remember if it was again the guys I mentioned earlier, uh, Zach Reeson or the ETR guys, but um, DJ Moore makes his bread and butter after the catch. So you were saying he's averaging like 13 yards per catch, but I'm willing to bet he's getting six of those after he uh, he's routinely been uh, one of the best in the league. And I think I've found where's his, where's his yak. 
I, I'm, yeah. I'm having trouble finding it, but uh, so I, I have, yeah, quite, quite the Yak per reception in 2019, 4.4 yards. He had 7.7 7 in 2018. So I agree with you that okay. he, but it was not at least according to, yeah, according to pro he football was, reference. Okay. So I, I've got him as the seven, number 17 in the league for uh, yards after the catch. That's overall. So that's, you know, Christian McCaffrey had a thousand yards after the catch. So that we're, we're incorporating, uh, all positions here. Now, I, I think that, that Teddy Bridgewater is actually uniquely uh, one of the better quarterbacks that DJ Moore could have been paired with because he does have such a low depth of target. DJ Moore is so, uh, I think what he will be is sort of a rich man's uh, golden Tate. He is a running back with the ball in his hands and he is an excellent route runner, excellent receiver. Um, I, I am much more in the oh boy camp. I think that this is an awesome pairing for him. Yeah, for me, this one is incredibly tough. I've always liked Teddy Bridgewater. I thought he played well early in his career, and he has been with, what, a two games, uh, or, well, several games of an exception kind of disappeared, right? Uh, New Orleans is a fantastic offense, and he was able to play pretty well in that filling in for Droopies last year. There's a lot of things changing in Carolina. Uh, if the only thing changing is that Cam Newton is actually gone, that's still pretty huge that DJ Moore was able to play. Okay. Last year with the, you know, outside of the, we've never seen this guy before uh, three or four game bump uh, that we saw from what's his name. Who you just said four times, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. There are so many unknowns with this, but I do think that DJ Moore is good. And I do think that Teddy Bridgewater is solid. And so this will be a complete, if DJ Moore is going in the top, 18 of wide receivers i'll be railing against what a bad decision that is if he's like around the like 30 32 area i'll be talking about how stupid everyone is for not taking the shot on dj so, Moore. so so let's let's get a board better so i'm going here because he he finished half point ppr last year the wide receiver 13 overall so he was the premier wide receiver too i'm willing to bet he stays as the the wide receiver 13 or better i i think he finishes as a wide receiver one this year what do you guys say so, so this is incredibly nebulous, but I'm going to make this statement either. Uh, finished as the wide receiver, whatever, last year is not a comp- – Ow, motherfucking cat. Is not a uh, <laughs> totally worthless <laughs> stat, uh, but with injuries and – Clark was about to say some, uh, some uh, hot take, and the cat was like, having none of this, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are so many things that can go into someone – ending up as the wide receiver, you know, 10 wide receiver, 15 and uh, people being uncomfortable starting that person all year. So I don't, it's not that that stat is misleading because it is a fact. I mean, you can look at the numbers and that's where it is, but I don't know. Top 10 wide receiver for DJ Moore this year. 12 standard 12 team leagues. I, I, I think he finishes in the top 12. That's just I'll, I'll just always take the under, right? We're we're a Teddy Bridgewater injury, we're him missing four games away from that not hitting. I think you being yeah, comfortable right. starting DJ Moore for ten games this year, I think that's a very solid prospect. Like because he's talented, and so is Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, I, I will Can't say really that. My games there. <laughs> um, that's all. That's a valid point, Clark, because it's basically betting DJ Moore against. Uh, injury and you know quarterback play and just the new coaching scheme in general not really clicking there in its first year 
Um, but I'm not saying they're the same player or are going to be the same player, but the third year or so tends to be a, a pretty good uh, breakout year for wide receivers. Um, so last year was just DJ Moore's age 22 season. And um, last year was Chris Godwin's age 23 season. And that's when he really burst onto the scene. We were waiting on it for a year or two. Um, so that could be something to look at. Uh, Devonte Adams is another player that burst onto the scene after his third year too. Um, so uh, that's just, again, wild narrative street talk. So who knows? I just would like to uh, humbly accept this collective L that has been handed to me <laughs> from the RB1 podcast. <laughs> I, I, I will honor it. It will go on my trophy case and I will, I will polish it and look at it fondly when uh, DJ Moore proves me wrong and, uh, and finishes a wide receiver one this year. So we can talk a bunch about like the 30 year narrative. I think that that kind of got turned on its head after like the 2015 Mike Evans draft basically, but, but players who, who break out early in college and in the NFL at a very young age, they, that's just them doing very well. Uh, while their body is still physically developing and there, there is high correlation of success where if there are, if players are good when they are very young, when they are younger than average uh, for the, the year that they are in the league, that probably means that they're very good. They, they tend to be very good. So I, anyway, yeah, stop. I'm, I'm all in on DJ Moore. I love it. What else we got? Uh, I think just me. I'm not going to let us move on. This is going to be incredibly fun all off season because, <laughs> because he's really good. So he's going to be tempting. And, and like, this will yeah. be a really fun one to watch. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, we cool. can move on. I think everyone else has shared. Nick, what's your O'Brien? O'Brien. My O'Brien is just me taking a victory lap on the fantasy community. Um, so last year, <laughs> I was very low on Devontae Freeman because of his stretchy knee. And I was also very low on Todd Gurley because of his exploded knee. And now we get to fold them into one as Todd Gurley takes over Devontae Freeman's job in the Falcons' backfield. Uh, I said this to the group when it happened. I think replacing a running back with a degenerative knee, I, I know that that technical. well, actually, it is degenerating. Once it, once it hyperextends, it does degenerate. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, replacing a running back with a degenerative knee because he couldn't handle full, a full workload with a running back with a degenerative knee because he can't handle full workload. I, we're doing the same thing twice. I don't know what they're thinking, but what he's we saw younger. Last year, what we, uh, and, his, and his knee is worse. So what we saw last year with Todd Gurley, I, he, he flashed via like workload and being deployed at the goal line from time to time, but he is not what he was even uh, like a year ago. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the Falcons front office is thinking. Now they only, I believe it's a, it's a one year deal. It's like a one year, um, 5 million deal. I think. So they're not even going to, I don't think they're going to even ask him to prove it. They're just doing this to try to get a Super Bowl, and they're going to hope they finally hit on somebody in the draft. Um, but it's, it's, I think we're going to be looking at another offseason, depending on who they take, unless it's a high pick or like, you know, a guy with a lot of hype. Because um, I just don't think that like Quadri Allison is going to suddenly separate. Um, we're going to be looking at the same old like Falcons backfield where we're, it's just, Tevin Coleman departed or we're just like oh well I'm, I'm sure this guy who's you know he's third string now but maybe he'll be good at some point I think it's going to be a real bummer to try to work on the Falcons backfield um 
I won't be drafting Todd Gurley in any league because he's going to be getting taken really highly. Uh, if he dro- I'll say if, if Gurley drops to like the sixth, I'd take him. But I think he's, I don't think he's getting out of the top two or maybe three. I think he's going to, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. So yeah, big I'm curious. I think three that. or four, but I still think that's too high. Yeah. I think third round is probably where I would think he would go. And I think, I agree that that's still high. I think if he fell into the fifth, I would take a flyer on him. Because if he does Depending find, on how my draft had gone. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But yeah, you're right. I think he's not, I don't think I would have the confidence in him to take him where he's likely going. Yeah, did did we all avoid every running back move that's been made this offseason? That's something to be excited about. Because I was like, I'm going to change it up and go wide receiver because the fellows will probably want to talk about the running back. Yeah, so I think like, we didn't no, talk about a no. single running back. Yeah. I kind of yeah, like the Melvin Gordon signing. Running. I'm going to be honest. What? Why? Why? I'm I'm really I'm really curious. Because I think why? I think he and Philip Lindsay Philip Lindsay pair well together uh, as a one-two punch, and we've seen backfields be able to offer viable fantasy starters with both running backs. Philip Lindsay hasn't been he's since he's a smaller guy. I think they're going to look to balance the touches. And I mean, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler were both able to eat when Gordon came back. And I think that this Broncos offense is not going to want to put the ball entirely in Drew Locke's hands. So I don't know. So this is, it's such a weird signing and it, it, I think it challenges a lot of our preconceived notions, just generally preconceived notions about what a passing back is and what a like banger back is because Philip Lindsay is their ball carrier. They don't throw him the ball. Last no, year they yeah. tried to make Royce Freeman their they're, pass they're passing I actually back. think I think Royce Freeman is actually a good uh, two way back. I, I think that some team could absolutely employ him effectively as a dual threat. Um, but they they want to have Philip Lindsay bang for like twelve to fifteen carries a game and maybe throw him a target. And they're bringing in Melvin Gordon to be the passing down back. It is so uh, either. It'll either be they'll, they'll they'll keep the traditional mold where you think that you're supposed to run on first and second and pass on third, whether it's the opposite. Um, they they should have Melvin Gordon out there on first and second and be chucking it to him. If they do that, then I'll become a Broncos. I was born in Denver, so technically I'm a Broncos fan, but it could be interesting. I could also see this just being a real bad experiment gone wrong where we're all really frustrated. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, but again, you, you have is... a take on this. Okay. Do we think that Jameis Winston is going to be able to pilot this offense and, and use both of these quarterbacks? I just want to reach back on the Todd Gurley point. Um, from a football standpoint, it, it doesn't really matter all that much because it's a cheap deal for one year. And, you know, if Todd, they, they basically get to see what Todd Gurley, they get to get, get his medicals and see how they can handle everything. Um, from a fantasy standpoint i'm pretty much out on it uh unless for whatever reason they draft like a first round guard that's like quentin nelson caliber who can change like the entire offensive line to just make them world beaters because they're that's still a mess down there it's not they're not changing that or helping that by signing a injury prone running back yeah any other oh brian's that we need to talk about before we find Clark a new NFL team? So this doesn't really count uh, because he didn't go anywhere, but I'm a little bit worried about Mike Evans stock still. Um, 
just because I don't think Tom Brady is going to be as effective as throwing the ball down the field. And Chris Godwin just kind of seems primed to be like almost a perfect weapon. Yeah. He seems like he's like the perfect weapon for Tom Brady and what like he is still able to do for the most part. It'll be what I'm, what I'm most curious about is Mike Evans versus OJ Howard, because I feel like those two guys could each play the Gronk role. Like OJ Howard traditionally, obviously as a tight end, will play the like middle of the field guy, but down by the red zone, Brady likes to target big physical receivers. Um, and that's obviously that's why Gronk was easily putting in double digit touchdowns with, you know, uh, and I'm just curious to see if that attention stays on OJ Howard or in Bruce Arian's system, which isn't that tight end heavy. Do we see all of that red zone attention? Does Brady just like fixate on Mike Evans? Because Brady hasn't had, I mean, outside of Gronk, Brady really hasn't had a big physical receiver like that. Randy Moss was a speed guy, you know, and you would just bomb, throw it downfield and he could win jump contested balls. But Mike Evans is like the physical box you out. And I'm curious to see where the attention goes to, whether it's OJ Howard or Mike Evans. I feel like those are the two guys who are going to be kind of playing off of each other. I think you're right, Jordan. Chris Godwin is like made in a lab for Tom Brady. So Godwin, I feel like is going to continue what we saw from last year. I hate to ask this before I make the point, but is Byron Leftwich still the offensive coordinator? Yes, he is. Yeah. So I think uh, Bruce Arians uh, is kind of noted for saying, uh, you know, hey, there's no black coaches in the NFL, and uh, I'm a white fella, and I'm going to hire some black coaches and, and put them, uh, give give them an opportunity. So while I think Byron Leftwich is from the the Arian school, and we might see a lot of those elements, I think we're going to be uh, see something interesting this year from is Leftwich going to develop. Uh, because Arian's kind of one of the things that he's most known for, at least in my little mind, is getting his quarterbacks killed. Yeah. And Tom Brady is simply not going to participate in that. Uh, so either the Bucks will will change their offense or it's going to be a very short-lived career for Tom down in Tampa Bay. So we may not see that chuck it deep offense that we've expected from, you know, early career Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, and, uh, you know, Carson Palmer. We may see uh, Byron Leftwich really established himself with his own unique style with uh, a quarterback who doesn't have the arm, doesn't have the mobility uh, that he maybe once had, which is funny to say about Tom, Billy, Tom Brady's mobility, uh, but is an incredibly smart player who's really good at making reads and using uh, the all of the weapons that the Bucks have. Uh, so I don't know, but you need to see what Leftwich does with the offense this year. I think I missed the initial part about Leftwich, but you know, um, Arians has always been super high on him as a coach, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see that guy continue to develop. Um, as far as the passing goes, uh, you know, Brady's arm or what people are saying is lack thereof. The Dantasy Football Podcast and the Ringer, those those guys unearthed some fantastic facts that had me. I, I was very much like, oh man, it's a terrible match, and then they started saying that Brady his completion percentage on deep balls is like top Brady's three still got league. it baby you can't tell me otherwise yeah he well then the stats support you he is still a very effective downfield thrower which you know there, there are so many narratives about what what brady is and what the patriots have been then the thing that i'm just always coming back to now is like coaching matters coaching is the most important friggin thing outside of a qb who won't tank your team and and what happens on the field is a product of them more so than the players but Regarding the O.J. Howard thing, 
uh, JJ Zach recent his well, he's been debunking is look Brady threw to the tight end when he had a good tight end he yeah. didn't throw to the tight end when he didn't have a good tight end um, we've got the the dual factors of Arians not really wanting to use tight ends but also OJ Howard went from a very good prospect to looking just terrible no matter what last year so I don't know if this is really that much of an open question but as far as the the downfield stuff goes I'm I think I'm probably going to be targeting Evans because I think he's going to drop a bit. I was just uh, t- took a, a page out of Clark's book and, and tried to go find the best ball ADP. And it looks to me like uh, Evans is the wide receiver six. Godwin being drafted is the wide receiver seven. Obviously, I'm super stoked on on Godwin. But if, if Evans starts to tumble, uh, I'm going to be all in on him as my wide receiver one. I like we had two brilliant football minds here. I think, you know, it would have been cool if Arians had come up now because I think he'd more, he'd be more open to stuff. Like he, he sort of just falls backwards into a lot of uh, like, um, he falls backwards into a lot of updated scientific, uh, scientifically supported play calling methods that he just, he doesn't really agree that they're supported scientifically, but he just, it's the way he does things. Anyway, that's an aside point is i'm high on mike evans this year chris godwin's gonna be the man um i think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens at running back because ronald jones has just been a big old ball of nothing and um i've quoted you know the uh nelson Sousa story about him time and again about how he didn't do anything in his rookie off season um i, I could see him making a move there for for a good uh a good pass protector or uh, 2019 July Nick will be uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for a save, and we see the rise of Dorea Gunbowale. But I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. I hope my boy Scotty Miller can take over the Philip Dorsett role and just vulture some touchdowns and piss people off a little bit. Maybe uh, maybe Duke Johnson's available if the Texans agree to pay him and also send a sixth round pick to Tampa Bay. <laughs> Who says that'd be no. fun? That'd be perfect. That's exactly what Bill you want Bryan to see. Helping his old buddy Tom out. Yeah, oh. like a younger, hipper uh, Deion Lewis. Perfect. Reunites with uh, Tom Brady. Seems like a match made in heaven. Speaking of matches made in heaven, let's find Clark Barnes, a 2020 NFL team to root for. Uh, now, when we did with this with Nick, I laid out four important guidelines for picking a team. And now we don't need to pick a team right now, but I just want to get the guidelines down and we can start per- percolating as to whom this team could be. Four rules for picking a team. Number one, the team cannot be a, quote, hot team because then it looks like you're a bandwagoner. So you can't pick any team that is uh, on the rise or people are suddenly being like, ooh, this is a saucy team. The Buccaneers are an example here. Number two, you need at least one lovable player on the team because you need someone to root for. Number three, you need to like the fan base you're joining since you're going to become associated with those people. And finally, number four, they need jerseys that you like because you are going to be wearing them. Now, in my mind, Clark, there seems to be a number one candidate for where you should take your allegiances. But I'm curious to hear where, where you're leaning towards with these rules stated. So, so the rules are the rules are solid. I'm not going to get married to them. That's I'm more of an eliminator, and I kind of have some tough ones. So, like, uh, you cannot join a hot team. So, like, the Chiefs are out. 
Done. Uh, the I'm not going to root for a garbage team because as a Houstonian, I've been rooting for garbage teams almost my entire life. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to try to enjoy it at least a little bit. Uh, as far as the fan bases go, that's a commitment. I don't know if I can consider that because I'm such a pessimist with humanity anyway. That would kind of eliminate <laughs> most fan bases. So there's some front runners, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking applications right now. It could be just a fan base that's like completely self loathing and just like hates themselves and knows that oh, we're not going to win anything this year. So we're going to root for those five wins, though. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm from Houston, so not the Cowboys. But good point. <laughs> I would propose the Arizona Cardinals seem like a, a perfect choice is that you would travel with DeAndre Hopkins and join him on this ascending team, not a hot team, but an ascending team with a fun young quarterback. And you have an already established veteran, Larry Fitzgerald, to root for, who's like one of the best humans on earth. DeAndre Hopkins is now there. Uh, their jerseys are fine. Fan base seems fine. They uh, they feel like to me is a front runner in my mind for you, Clark. You can still wear your Hopkins jersey in a Cardinals bar if those exist outside of Arizona. Yeah, that's true. You could repurpose it. Especially, is it a red Texans jersey? No, it's it's blue. Okay, unfortunately, unfortunately. but still, so could definitely still wear it. I'm just gonna blow this whole thing up and point out that this distinction between ascending team and hot team is complete hogwash. Oh, they're and very anybody, different, Nicholas. If There's anybody th- was paying attention last year, Mr. Pete Rogers constructed this whole thing because he thought it would be funny to get me to root for my Seattle Seahawks rival, the San Francisco 49ers. That is how we Don't put this on me. Don't this, this is a well-constructed list. This had no, back my, no purpose if behind you, it. If you were listening to our previous podcast, when I asked Pete about what he wanted from Tom Brady, he just said either the Pats are retired because it would cause him too much pain to watch him play for another team. You will notice that when he listed his first rule, he only named one team that we can't pick. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And since my entire reason for being on this podcast tonight is to make Clark be the biggest Bucks fan in the world so that every damn podcast Pete has to introduce him as the biggest Bucs fan and Tom Brady fan in the world. The only answer is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that is it. Well, there goes Nick. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if Nick has really invested in looking into my psychological profile, but him selecting spite as the reason that I pick a team is really tempting for me. Right on the nose. I will say, in Pete's defense, I don't really know of any other teams that are like, quote unquote, hot right now. Um, I I think everybody's talking about Tampa Bay, but we don't really know anybody who's like that, that it factor, all those people that are betting on like the random uh, Charger seasons or the right. Browns last year or something like that. I feel like the Chiefs and the Ravens are off the table. So just it's it's early, but yeah. one team that I'm thinking about going back to okay. is I've always liked the Packers. Oh, see, that's so, what Becca's suggestion was, and I said that well, that Becca's would, a smart lady. That would put us so. at a fifty-fifty. I mean, fifty percent Packers podcast. It's a lot. You know what, I, Clark? We'd welcome you with open arms. We could drink beer and eat cheese, and we can 
debate about whether or not Aaron Rodgers is still good. We can talk about the ascending <laughs> defense. We can talk about Devontae Adams, who can be your new DeAndre Hopkins. Um, whoever they get in the draft is probably going to be okay. Yeah, the what's tough about the Packers. Yeah. What's, what's tough about the Packers is uh, Packers fans, at least the ones that I know, are really knowledgeable. And I just kind of like to fly by the seat of my pants. So I don't know. We'll see though. They're 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 a front runner early. I like how Clark, as a host for a football podcast, you like to fly by <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants. So I well, feel like it, it started as a bit, but now but now it's going this is with true. It. Nice. I like it. I was going to suggest, and I don't know if this checks off a lot of boxes, but spite. Uh Checks off a Houston box, perhaps a team that might be moderately hot, kind of fun to root for. Tennessee Titans. Uh, Titans are off the list. I hope that everyone associated with owning that franchise stubs their toe every morning for moving them from Houston. Okay, I was I was trying to get the Houston tie-in back there to see if you'd maybe still consider. Understand, understand. I, I won't hold it against you, but that's. No. That's uh, such a beautiful, like, instead of I wish that this person would die, just like I wish that they would stub their toe repeatedly every morning. That's a beautiful way. Beautiful. Just way the ownership, it. not the players, not the no, fans. They yeah. don't have anything to do with it. Just the people who made the decision or profited massively from it. Um, all right. Well, we will we'll continue to track this religiously throughout the offseason. Uh, who's Clark? What team will get, gain Clark's allegiances for the 2020 season, if there's a 2020 season? Uh both so we'll make sure we'll be tracking that obviously we know it won't be the titans it won't be the texans it won't be the chiefs uh were there any other teams that we entirely eliminated i think i mean i think the ravens are too good like i like the ravens and i'm going to continue liking them but you know making my team join them i'm already like the uh co-chair of the treasury of the lamar jackson fan club so that's good enough that's true uh, all right, Nick, you logged on just again for uh, goodbyes. So goodbye, Nick. <laughs> I felt bad. <laughs> it was quite the exit, though. It was quite the exit. Uh, what did we land on? We are still up for debate. We're still the same. We're going to track it all off. You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> for all of you who tuned in late. And, uh, it's a radio show. and with that. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. We are there. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.